You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 257 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. We've got another one of those weird formatted episodes. It seems like it's been a routine lately where a Tesseract mailbox letter actually turns into a full-blown real talk with the Pimpcron. And that's what we get today because Sean sent us an email and was asking questions about the difference between Age of Sigmar and 40k. And beyond the surface level differences of sci-fi, fantasy, blah, 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 there is actually a very distinct couple of this, uh, differences between those two game systems. And let's see if you also agree with me or if I'm totally off base and I'm like, wiggity, wiggity, whack. You, you let me know. So we also have a want that or want that not where we discuss the kill team uh, terrain objective set from shallow grave. I forget what it's called. But anyway, we, we cover that. And uh, let's see if I want that or want that not. Essentially, it's like the old objective sets that they used to make, but it's two to three times more. And let's see if it's actually interesting or not in that segment. Well, what have I been up to in the meantime since we last spoke? Well, first off, I've got to thank my buddy Grendel, and he's a Patreon patron, by the way. He's a badass cryptic. And he wrote in a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, about the Barb Gaunts, and I said that I absolutely hated those models. And he's like, oh, well, you know, if you knew someone that could print Barb Gaunts, you know. And I was like, oh, haha, you know. And I actually didn't know he had a resin printer, but there's another company that makes a proxy for Barb Gaunts that looks way cooler than Barb Gaunts. And I've already discussed this in a previous episode, but I got a package at my door. And typically, I think it's a hater who has defecated into the box. And they usually put it in some sort of like thermal thing so it stays warm and fresh for when I open the box. And then all the flies come out and I throw up. And there's usually like a camera embedded in the feces so that they can get my reaction when it happens. That's usually what happens. So I usually get one of my children to open the box because I'm like, you know what? I've seen enough feces in my life. I don't need to see any more. So they'll take a crowbar, they'll tear the tape, and they usually have like a dust mask on. We don't have like an actual gas mask for fumes, but a dust mask has to help in some fashion, right? So they open it like gingerly from two feet away. And then we realize, wait a second, there's no poop in this box at all. And come to find out, Grendel had sent me a whole squad of these Barb Gaunts. And it's the, uh, it's the, I think they're called Proxy Wars. I, I've, I just actually messaged him a little while ago to find out what, um, what company made these proxies. And he has not replied yet. He's probably busy. So, anyway, these guys look way cooler than the regular GW Barb Gaunts. They've, they look like a smaller version of a Biovore. And uh, it just looks so much nicer than the GW Barb Gaunts. So I am now the owner of some Barb Gaunts. And now I, too, can limit your movement by shooting every model at a different unit. <laughs> so I'm actually looking forward to trying those out and getting them painted up. So thank you, Grendel, not only for supporting the show since day one and being a longtime reader of my articles, longtime listener to the podcast, longtime Shorehammer attendee, Thank you so much for sending me bar these Barb Gaunts, and uh, you did a fantastic job printing them. They look really nice. So what else have I been up to? Well, I've basically finished the settlement mode for Brutality. It's basically all finished. 
I sent it to my friend Matt to take a look at it just to see if there's anything I've omitted or messed up or, you know, something that might be very clear to me, but it's not so clear to him. So I sent that to him and he's been looking it over. He said, so far, so good. Everything looks neat. And it's going to come in at about 100 pages and it's got a full settlement mode. It's got 50 missions and each one of them have four different twists and each one of those twists has a different win loss scenario. I should actually say reward or penalty scenario. So, um, for instance, like if one of your citizens in your town gets you to do this mission where they need medicine for their disease or whatever, and then if you fail that mission, that citizen might, I mean, in brutality, you come back to life after you die, but they might die and then just leave your town because they're so upset that you let them down. That sort of thing happens quite a bit. So I'm excited to get that out the door, and then I will begin begin my um, probably called Brutal Epic, where it's the kaiju, mech battle, and uh, superheroes all in one book using the brutality system. So pretty excited about that. I am consistently cranking out uh, two books a year. I, I consistently make about 200 pages of content for brutality every single year, and I'm, I'm quite pleased with that, actually. So what did I do this week? Well, I played Gene Stealer Cult versus James's, um, what did he play? Oh, uh, Death Watch at my house. And I beat his ass with Gene Stealer Cult. Like, I accidentally beat the shit out of my friend James. I it, You know, when they say Gene Stealer Cult is like top of the meta right now, I don't play them for that reason. I've had them since before they were an army. I actually made a custom army to play them before they had a real codex. And uh, my friend Leroy Jenkins, also Patreon patron, by the way, just want to throw that out there. He told me, he's like, oh, yeah, Gene Stealer cults are crazy nasty, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, who cares? I'm not going to not going to try. I'm just going to throw stuff together. And then I beat the everlasting shit out of James. It was bad. We stopped at the end of turn three and it was 40 to 20, roughly. It was um, I had double the points and it was not going to get any better after that. I had tore him a new butthole and his death watch were nearly dead. In that case, they just got to watch their death. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you to laugh on that one. Anyway, so I beat the crap out of him on that. Then what did I do? I played at the club this week. I played Aegis Sigmar with my friend David. He brought his gloom spike gets all of his bouncy squigs. And I brought Stormcast and he ended up beating me pretty soundly. Um, one thing that really messed me up, like in the very beginning, I thought I was going to do really well. And I had my 10 man retributor squad was going to go in there and lay waste to some squigs on the first turn. The problem is I didn't make a nine inch charge and then I rerolled it and then didn't make a nine inch charge. So then most of his army gets benefits on the charge. So he was able to countercharge me and just bloody our nose pretty badly. I never imagined that squigs and all of that could be so good, but apparently they're pretty decent right now. Um, towards the end of the game, I actually thought it was like turn three, I think. I thought I was actually going to come back because I was starting to really put a hurting on his stuff. But at that juncture, the number of objectives that we were doing, I didn't have the mobility to start reclaiming objectives. I only had like two characters and like four other models on the board. 
And he had like some scraggly bits of of units, and I think he had one character, but his stuff moves like d6 plus six inches or something. And my Stormcast all moved like five inches. One of my units moved four inches. So it's like I just I couldn't pull that out at the end. But um, it was actually a pretty fun game. Actually, we by the end of turn one, we had each murdered half of the other one's army. I'm not lying to you. We lost half of our points. Both of us did at the end of turn one. It was it was pretty crazy. I also had my meetup with the kids at the library playing Warhammers. That's three times I played Warhammer this week, which is astronomical. And um, I played with my buddy Max, uh, one of the kids at the library. And he brought his Space Marines and also allied in some guard. And I brought my Grot tanks and all of that. And um, we ended up tying, actually, at, at the very end. So what we did, I did a custom mission just for fun, okay? I had three objectives, 18 inches from my board edge, spaced out. He had three. Each one of his were numbered one, two, three. Mine was numbered one, two, three. Starting the second turn in our hero, in our command phase, I would roll a d3 and remove that objective from my side of the board. And then on his, he would do the same. And we each did that at the top of turn two and turn three. Well, it just so happened, I had my all the way left objective. And he had his objective all the way on my right. And we were both entrenched, so we we're opposite sides of the board. We were entrenched, and the other one could not penetrate that. Well, it just so happened that all of the objectives that went away were all of them except those two that were on six feet apart from each other, practically. And he had a small force on my side that had no chance of taking my objective. And I had a small force on his who also had no chance of taking his objective. So we just ended up saying, okay, well, that's clearly a tie. And uh, that's what ended up happening. On points, we did tie. But we were able to call it on like turn four because we just knew, okay, this is not gonna not gonna do anything. So I would also like to bring to your attention that we're brought to you by GameMat.eu. Yes, they have been our friends for quite some time, nearly a decade, and they've been a sponsor of Shorehammer and the podcast and all of that for a long time. They've been a um sponsor of the podcast from uh, geez, three years now, something like that. And uh, you can use Event 10 to get 10% off your order, uh, pre-painted resin terrain, STL files, neoprene mats, all that stuff. Then we've also got panhandle3d.etsy.com. And what do they do? Well, 3D means 3D printed. Panhandle is because they're in Florida. That's called the panhandle. And then also .etsy.com. Well, that's where it's hosted. Are you not... Ugh, I feel like you're not following this. But anyway... They do uh, 3D printed terrain, they do um, laser engraving, they do customizing, all that of coffee mug tumblers and dice trays and dice towers and all that stuff. So go check them out. It is PH3D15 off for 15% off your order. And of course, who could forget my beautiful, sexy, good smelling Patreon patrons. Thank you all for supporting the show. Let's get on with it, shall we? Want that, or want that not? For the want that or want that not this week, I actually wanted to cover something that genuinely interests me. It's Kill Team. No, I don't play Kill Team, and I'm not interested in that. But Kill Team Kill Zone Upgrade Gallo Fall is a new terrain set that they've come out with. 
Now, it's not your typical train set. This is actually more akin to the objective markers they used to sell, right? It was like 50 bucks for six objective markers that were supposedly narrative. And ironically, this has a slight tie to it, but I won't get into that just yet. Um, this is basically uh, for their modular things that you can put down on your boards for kill teams. And it's like, um, they look like escape pods. And uh, they've got two, four, six, eight escape pods, and two of them are open, the other ones are closed. And then they've got like six, I guess they're like stasis chambers, but there's two groups of three of those. And they've got, um, essentially they made one set, and then they just include two of that in the box. So they've got two like surgical tables with all sorts of like little stuff on them, like syringes and stuff, which I think is really cool. And they've got two examination beds with, like, a lamp over it. And uh, they've got two, like, little carts they'd move over. They look like a, uh, like a, I forget what it's called. Anyway, the medical professionals can can correct me on that. But anyway, it's like some little, like, uh, thing, like a ventilator that would help you breathe that you'd pull up to the cart. And then they've got two pans where, obviously, they're, like, a, a long sink with a bedpan. Not a bedpan. It's a pan that's a bed, not a bed pan. And it's got like drains that would drain all the blood away if you're like severing limbs or whatever. And I'm actually really impressed with this because I'm pretty sure that the old objective set was like 30 to 50 bucks somewhere in there. And it gave you six pieces of nothing, right? Some of them were moderately interesting. They've come out with a couple different ones, but... This one is actually 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 pieces to this. And while it may not really affect your personal game too much, you know, depending on what you're doing, it can definitely add some unique flavor and attention to detail to your boards, whether you play Kill Team or not. I mean, I can see a lot of these going into some interior stuff like these stasis chambers and stuff like that. I can definitely see that. And I like the examination tables and I can definitely see these working as objectives in a game. And I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I think this price point, even though it's $50 and these pieces are small, there's no walls or ruins included or anything like that. These things definitely fit the aesthetic of Warhammer 40k. Number one. Number two, You've got plenty of them. I mean, there's tons and 18 different pieces in here. And like I said, essentially, it's nine duplicated. So it's 18. But I really like it. I really have nothing bad to say about this. And honestly, at $50, I feel like it's a slightly better price than the previous ones. And ironically, one of the previous uh, terrains um, objective sets had a drop pod or a skate pod, not a drop pod. That looks like a baby drop pod. An escape pod that you could take the cover off of, and this includes eight escape pods, and at least two of them the cover comes off of. Now, they look like they're bolted to the ground or whatever, but you could still make them look like they had landed in the ground or, or whatever you want to do. But ultimately, I actually see myself getting this. I actually like this. I think it's pretty well done. I think it fits the aesthetic of 40K, but it also is unique with the operating tables and the ventilator and the um, stasis chambers. And I definitely could see them using those in uh, narrative battles, like going onto a space Hawk or 
trying to save people or, you know, maybe the enemy's taken hostages and they put them in these stasis chambers. So you need to make it to there. I can 100% see these as objective markers. And one of the old objective markers from the way too expensive sets has eight, eight of these in it. So it seems like it's a much better deal. I don't know. You let me know what you think, but I definitely say this is a want that from the Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Well, this is the Real Talk with the Pimpcron, and as has been happening sometimes lately, the Tesseract mailbox actually brings up such a big topic that I decide to make it a Real Talk instead of a Tesseract mailbox. So let's dig into this email from Sean. He writes, Hello, Pimcron. I am somewhat new to this hobby. My group originally dove into miniatures through Malifaux, which then led to reprinting the Mordheim rules and running that, then finally to Warhammer. Being a noob, you can guess what faction I chose. Space Marines. Yeah, yeah, I, I could have guessed that. <laughs> so far, I really like them and used the new Leviathan set to take the plunge. I have noticed that Age of Sigmar has a seemingly much wider variety of armies than 40k. 40k has something like a dozen armies, but AOS appears to have around 20. I understand that many are sub-factions of bigger ones, etc., but it seems much more fleshed out. I was noting this to my friend Ben, and he said that 40k has a much richer lore, and Black Library has hundreds of books on 40k, while only a few on Age of Sigmar. Also, AOS came out like a decade ago versus 30 plus years of 40k. So, my question to you is, what is the real difference between Age of Sigmar and Warhammer 40k? I understand the mechanical differences as I have watched battle reports and let's plays of Age of Sigmar, but why do they have more armies? What is the limited lore? Oh, what is the limited lore like for Age of Sigmar and what gets people into it? No offense to Ben, but he is also pretty new to this, and I would prefer a more seasoned player's opinion. Sean. Well, first off, Sean, thank you for writing in at pimpcron at gmail.com. You guys can also reach me at facebook.com slash pimpcron or Instagram pim with just one P, pimcron. So, um, thank you for calling me a seasoned player. Apparently, I'm knowledgeable enough to help you out with this issue. And I think I am, because actually, I don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast, but I actually do play Age of Sigmar. I've played Age of Sigmar since AOS 1.0, which was uh, about 2015, I think it came out. So you weren't too far off with the decade uh, comment there. So this actually led me on like a spiritual journey, okay? Because I never really thought about it. When you think of Age of Sigmar, you think of 40k, and you think about those differences, right? Everyone's going to be like, oh, well, one's fantasy and one's sci-fi. Well, okay. I mean, that's that's true. That's the obvious surface stuff, right? And then you're also going to say, oh, well, the mechanics are a little different, like Age of Sigmar's set uh, to wound roll and the initiative roll each turn and the things like that. You know, they've got like battalions and, and whatever. So things are a little different in Age of Sigmar. Um, I always say that Age of Sigmar and 40K are roughly like 70% the same as far as game mechanics. Then the other 30% is like the initiative rolls, etc., etc. So I agree with all of that. But once I really got thinking about it, Age of Sigmar and 40k are actually much, much different than that. Beyond the fantasy sci-fi thing, beyond the mechanics. And really, when you think about it, number one, let's start with the lore. 40k does have in spectacularly fleshed out lore. 
you can go on uh, Black Library and look at you're you're pretty much right. Hundreds of books they have, and everything from Inquisitors to Guardsmen to Orcs to Space Marines to Necrons. I mean, like uh, the Administratum. You know, the people that do like the scroll writing and stuff like that. They've got tons of short stories, big novels, all that. The Horus Heresy series is huge, and the Agon's Ghost series is huge, and just all of that. They've got a ton of stuff. And yes, Age of Sigmar is a new setting relatively, right? It's not 30, 40 years old, however old 40K is. Um, I think nearly 40 years old. And they don't have nearly as many novels. Now, they have been producing more and more material for you to read and stuff like that for Age of Sigmar. So they are constantly fleshing it out. And each codex has new background lore and information and named characters and all that. So Age of Sigmar is in a slight disadvantage there. But what I do like about Age of Sigmar and its setting is that Age of Sigmar actually has good guys. Like 40k is always been pretty satirical, right? It's always kind of tongue in cheek where, oh, everything's terrible. They literally call it grimdark where, oh, everything's terrible and there's only a war and war is eternal and suffer not the heretic to live and all that stuff. Well, even the good guys in 40k are not really good guys, right? They're going to exterminatus your planet if they have to, because the situation is always so dire, right? Now, arguably, there are some factions of space marines that are legitimately good guys. Um, the ultramarines seem to be, everyone calls them the boy scouts because they're in blue and all that. But, you know, Gilliman and the ultramarines do seem like they are legitimately trying to help humanity, okay? Um, salamanders also come to mind. I've heard tons of stories about salamanders, like helping civilians and stuff like that and actually caring for people. So I, I do know that 40 K does have actual heroes, um, guards, people really, I mean, you can, you can have nothing but pity or admiration for guardsmen and the Astra Militarum because they're just, they're just put in that terrible situation. They probably do what they can to save people or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're in such a dire straits that, they don't really have the power or capacity to help civilians and things the way space marines do. And of course, you know, Necrons are mercurial. They're not really good or bad. They're somewhere in the middle. Orcs are honestly somewhere in the middle. You know, Tyranids are just so apathetic that they don't really care either way. So technically that's evil, but they're not doing it out of hate. They're not doing it. It's like, it's like a wild animal comes into your yard and attacks you. Well, that animal doesn't hate you. It's just doing what it does. It's an animal. And you can basically think of Tyranids like that, too. So if anything, you could say that 40k is much more fleshed out and it's way more nuanced as far as the factions instead of Age of Sigmar. Age of Sigmar, something that's kind of refreshing about Age of Sigmar is that it has legitimate good guys and legitimate bad guys, okay? Obviously, chaos is bad in 40k and chaos is still bad in Age of Sigmar, obviously. But uh, Stormcast Eternals are like basically angels coming down from heaven. Like Sigmar is their God, right? And he's the one that forms these people. A lot of them do have actual wings. They're in, you know, resplendent armor and all that. And they come down and their whole purpose is to protect humanity and Sigmar's followers. So while I'm certain there are some factions of Stormcast that may have lost their way and they're a little more edgier and they don't follow the status quo as well, the space, the uh, space Marines, the Stormcast are extremely good and they are aligned with good and Sigmar is pretty much always aligned with good like you might question some of the things he does but he's never doing it out of ill intent really 
Um, now the soul blight is kind of like the Necrons in the way that they're kind of mercurial. You know, you could say they're bad. You could never really say they're good, but they might do good things in service of their own whatever. Um, but I would just say that Age of Sigmar is refreshing in the fact that there is very clear-cut definitions of rules, you know, for the different factions, how they operate, what their moral code is, all of that. There was a joke they used to make when Age of Sigmar first came out, and everyone was mad because, you know, they, they dumbed down the rules and it's all streamlined and all that compared to Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And of course that's true, but what's funny is they used to call it Fisher-Price Marines, or Warhammer Fisher-Price or whatever, and they're baby like, oh, baby's first war game and all that. And you would see um, Photoshop pictures of like Stormcast fighting corn, but it's played on like a playset for for babies. You know, it was it was pretty funny, actually. Um, obviously, it's a dig at Age of Sigmar, but it was still pretty funny because everything had been streamlined so strongly. But you could even say the lore has been streamlined as well, because uh, like I said, the clear cut definitions of actual good guys, actual bad guys. That makes everything a little more Saturday morning cartoon, just by a little bit. But I'm actually okay with that, because with Space Marines, you can never truly feel like you're playing the good guys. Yes, in their pool of different factions, they're probably the closest you're going to get to good guys. But you know they also make really hard choices, and they, they're they willing to get dirty. The few Age of Sigmar books that I've read, the Stormcast actually go down there and they will sacrifice their self to the man to protect humans. Like every one of them are willing to sacrifice their self to protect Sigmar's followers or to get the job done or whatever. And there's a very interesting dynamic there. As far as the actual models, I would have to say that Age of Sigmar has a way better models range than 40k. Now 40k is just now in the recent years starting to catch up with, um, re you know, revitalizing the Cadian um, miniatures and um, a lot of the Tyranids, like the Termagons just came out, which are new versions of those. They got a new Broodlord. They've got a new Hive Tyrant in the last five, ten years. Um, they're slowly, you know, of course, all the Primaris stuff, um, new Sentinels for Imperial Guard, and just different stuff like that. They have slowly started refreshing the line and making it more modern. Because 40k did have a lot of older models and you could tell that they were older looking. By and large, most of Age of Sigmar's line is new. Or at least newish. Last 10 years. Whereas some 40k stuff is even older than that, you know. So Age of Sigmar, the main benefit to that is that the miniatures are generally newer and they don't mind getting a little kooky with the miniatures. They don't mind going a little wild or weird with them. Where 40K tries to stay somewhat grounded. It's futuristic. They're using technology, stuff like that. Now, obviously, the warp exists and magic technically exists with psychers and things like that. But Age of Sigmar has a slightly more action figure aesthetic to it. And they've got flowing ribbons and robes and all this crazy stuff because magic is way more involved in that than 40k. So that gives them way more options to make things kind of nutty and crazy and wild and way more interesting to look at. I would say that the average Age of Sigmar model looks way more interesting and cooler to put on the table and paint and collect than the average 40k model. And I think it's that fantastic element to it. So overall, I'd say that Age of Sigmar has better models, mainly because they're newer, but also they're not restrained by realism that 40k tries to restrain itself to.
As far as all of the different factions, Age of Sigmar, yes. It, Warhammer Fantasy Battles really didn't have that many factions. They had a handful, maybe 10, but the factions were absolutely massive. You know, if you're talking about Empire, um, it had a, a double the product line it had now. Um, a lot of things, uh, maybe Cities of Sigmar is a little bit of a bad example, but things like um, Death, right? Death was just like a, a faction into itself. Vampire Counts. Vampire Counts also included what is now Night Haunt, and they also included what is now Soul Blight, which is really the successor to Vampire Counts. It also included what is um, Flesh Eater Courts, and you get the point. They It got split up into multiple different factions. Orcs and Goblins is the same exact scenario where it used to be Orcs and Goblins all together. I think it also involved um, Trolls and uh, the Trogoths and all that as well. So then they split that up into Savage Orcs and Gloomspite Gits. And then even in those, they've got further faction split ups, you know, like the um, Ard Boys and the, uh, like I said, the Trogoths. And you can do all squigs or whatever. So there's a lot of different things that just got broken up. So that's why there's like t probably twice as many Age of Sigmar armies than they are for 40k. And it's just because a lot of things got broken up. Which is kind of a nice thing for collecting Age of Sigmar. Because a lot of these individual armies, it's a good thing and a bad thing. A lot of these individual armies may only have a dozen units. And that includes half of them are probably characters. Um, now, some of them have obviously more fleshed out. Stormcast has the same problem Space Marines have, if you want to look at it as a problem. They have so many models, it's crazy. But by and large, Age of Sigmar factions are much smaller than 40k. So, being that they've been split up into smaller factions, if you want to have one of everything for a faction, that's pretty darn easy. I'm looking at Fire Slayers and Idana Thiepkin. And uh, Night Haunt is quickly expanding, but somewhat Night Haunt. Or you could just take a specific faction, like I only do the Spider Fangrots from um, Gloom Spike Gets. Only the dudes with the Arachnorok and the Spider Riders and all that. Well, you could just take those. And they've got like, I think, three units. They've got a character Arachnorok. Now they got four units. But I mean, they don't have that many units, so it's very easy to collect. So thank you, Sean, for writing in, and I'm sorry for the diatribe here, but I thought it was really interesting. Once I got thinking about it, I think the biggest difference between Age of Sigmar and 40k is that Age of Sigmar has actual clear-cut good guys and bad guys. They got people in between as well, but I think it's way more mercurial in a 40k setting. Anyway, thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show and Panhandle3D.etsy.com. And of course, beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons. I will see you next week.